All right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It's so wonderful to see you guys. Um, the remnant, the the you guys are the the delta force of the EMP crowd. Um, we're continuing on in our scripture readings. Uh, Genesis chapter 10 and 11, I'm going to combine them. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to give you guys a, a summary. And so now God has made this covenant, this promise, the beginning of writing out a blueprint. We talked about a covenant. Um, until Jesus comes, and as there's more and more distance in space, right, from God having walked with Adam and Eve, in the garden, as that time and distance and space kind of spreads out and before the coming of Christ, there's a lot of uh, room for doubt. And so God begins to unfold these blueprints, these covenants, that all are a reminder that point to the promise that God made that God's going to bring everyone back into the, back into the family, that God has a redemptive plan and purpose. So everything points to Jesus. So the Noahic covenant points to Jesus. The next covenants that come all are blueprints. Like, like, like an archaeologist would dig up sites and find out information about the past. In the same way we can look into the scriptures, dig into the scriptures, the past, even if you're saved. Even if you grew up in church your whole life. Even if you've gone to you know, 10 VBS. You can still go deep into the scriptures and God would bring revelation and insights about every aspect and, and about every need in your life. So, I mean, I've been doing this for 25 plus years. I've been teaching the Bible. And even still, right, in any given season, in any given context, God is able to bring revelation or light or, or a, a, you know, a perspective that maybe you hadn't seen before. You guys, have you done this? I don't know if some of you guys are still so young, you know, so, so vibrant. But I'm starting to watch movies that I watched when I was 12, that I loved. And I'm watching them now at the age of 48. And I'm seeing different things. I'm, you know, now, you know, because of, I've grown, my perspective has changed, I've matured. And so the reasons and the things I got out of it as a kid are not the same things I get out of now. Some of you guys, you read a book, right? You read a book, you know, your favorite book when you were 15 or 16. And, and, and you read it again at a later time, and you see different things, right? And in the same way, as you mature, and as your relationship with Christ goes deeper, God is able to bring revelation for every detail in your life, for every need, for as much as you're willing to go to God and ask God for a personal relationship with Him, and for insight and revelation, God can bring those things. So that, that makes scriptures exciting, you, you have to have the tools. You have to have the lenses. Remember the three lenses that we talked about in order to receive these things. So now we're going on to chapter 10, 11. After the covenant, a promise, Noah then grows, expands, family, humanity, and we get to chapter 10 and 11. And again, I'm just going to summarize. I'm going to skip through some verses. Um, and so in 10, you get this whole genealogy and then it goes to 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make. Is this working? It is? I don't know. 
Oh, you don't even need it, huh? This is for my comfort. <laughs> this is for my security. It's like, <laughs> I don't feel like a preacher unless I have a mic. Uh, uh, just kidding. Okay. Uh, verse 3, they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Okay, let me stop there. Um, already you can see that people are starting to move away from God. Already a handful of generations, and there's a group of people, civilization, you know, there's mention of the first city, um, and people are already, because of their loss of identity, because they've lost their way, because they've lost intimacy and relationship. You know what happens when we lose intimacy and relationship with God? Do you guys know what happens? When we start getting distant, when we lose relationship, and we start doubting, you know what happens? There's this vast emptiness. And then you know what happens? We recognize how empty we are. You know what happens next? Then we feel the need to fill it. And if we can't fill it with God, we'll begin to fill it with other things in the world. And so, very revealing when it says that at one point, the people got together. They started building cities and towers. And they said, let's make a name for ourselves. If you don't have God... At the center of your identity, you will spend the rest of your life, the rest of your life, trying to prove yourself to yourself and even worse, to others. And so this is what happens. Um, they use stones and I guess some sort of uh, um, you know, a mortar, I guess would be mud or a mix of things and baked it in the sun. And so there came an advancement of technology and the advancement in technology is they made bricks and they would bake them thoroughly. And then they used tar for mortar. And so they're able to build higher. And so they wanted to, what is this? They wanted to reach the heavens. Right? Because, because we're made by God. Because we have our identity set in God. Because God has a purpose for us to walk with Him. Our, our DNA, our makeup is to be in communion with God. Our, our makeup is to be in relation. And until we reach that place, we'll always be wanting. There will always be a lack. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier that if we don't have our identity confirmed and set in the purposes of God, then we have this void and emptiness. And until we come to that place, until we, you know, like many years later, if you didn't grow up in the church, we're made in such a way that we want to, you know, have value, right? Like, we have to feel purposeful. And, and depression and all that stuff happens when we feel like there's no hope, when we feel like there's no purpose, there's no point. And, and, and then I think the last stages are, we realize there's no point, we realize there's no purpose, that's, that's really sad. And so if you realize that but you can't cope with it, then what we do is we just numb it. Right? You just numb your emotions. And so you just do stuff frivolous that just get this kind of coping mechanisms that just get you, day, you know, through day by day, week by week. But, but that can obviously be filled with the purpose of a job, filled with the purpose of a family and these things. 
Um, if you've ever had a longing for home, you know, for those of you who maybe grew up somewhere else, uh, for those of you whose childhood was in a different country, or, you know, for Singaporeans who've gone abroad or studied or worked abroad, you know, for however many years, and then, you know, we, we have this longing, right? This longing to go back home, this longing to go back to the place of our upbringing. Um, and that, that can be an idol. You know, my, my sense of, oh, I wish I could go back and live the life that I lived growing up, you know, as a teenager and as a youth in Southern California. Oh, you know, I wish I could have the house that my parents grew up in. Oh, that my children would experience all the things that I experienced, you know. And so this longing, this desire to go home. Well, as a missionary and as a pastor overseas, you know, I left the United States when I was 29. I've been... Um, Hold up, I'm 48. I'll be 40. This June, this June, believe it or not, it's going to be the, am I doing my miss too early? You know, 20 year marker. 20 year mark since I've, I've left home and country and family and all that stuff. And, and I figured out, by God's grace, and, and, and I'll share this tidbit with you, I figured out a long time ago that my longing for home, my longing for my childhood, and, and of course it's good to go back and eat the tacos and, you know, visit friends and stuff. But, you know, very early on at a young age in my 30s, and I would say even in, you know, uh, to my late 30s, there's this longing to be home. There's this longing to go home. And I, and I, and the Lord was gracious enough to give me revelation. This longing, I'm sorry, but will never be fulfilled by some place geographically here on earth. First of all, if I go back, it ain't going to be the same home I grew up in, Right? Because I never had kids growing up in Southern California. You know, so when I think of home, it's like going to Universal Studios and Disneyland by myself with my friends, eating hot dogs and sleeping until and, when, and waking up, whatever. Uh, I'm pretty sure if I go back to Southern California, I'm going to be like, wow, things have changed. It's not as nice as I remember, you know, because there's a lot more demands in, in different stages. And so I, I, um, our longing for anything, you're longing for acceptance, you're longing for home, you're longing for provision, you're longing for a purpose, ultimately, if, if I can say this to you, is ultimately you're longing to be in heaven. You're longing to be in relationship with God because that's how God made you. But when we don't have that, and we're not secure in that, we downgrade. We take the next best thing which is fulfillment in our jobs, fulfillment in our homes, fulfillment in, in our earthly purpose. Does that make sense? Our ultimate longing, you may not know it, your ultimate longing for a home is your home in Christ. Why? Because that's how God made you. Anything else is a substitute. Anything else is because God hasn't filled that compartment and so you're filling it with something else. Does that make sense? And so it's, it's quite uh, uh, life-giving. Because if you, if you recognize that, then not, you're not attached. Nothing controls you. You're not owned by your job. You're not owned by your financial circumstance. You're not owned by your relational status. Right? Do you feel owned by these things? Do you feel like until these things are satisfied or... Or, or measured up to that you, you won't feel complete, right? And what I'm telling you, that that's, 
That's a cloak. That's a, that's a, that's a veil. That's the enemy. It's a lie. God has made you ultimately from the origin of beginning to be with Him. And there's this void. There's this spiritual GPS that only God can fill. And until then, I mean, to no avail, you'll try to fill it with everything else in the world. And it'll never be satisfying. And so my longing for home is my eternal home. Amen? Your longing for a home is your eternal home. Whether you're a homeowner one day now or may never be, no difference. Your ultimate home and longing is, is in Christ. Um, and so, you know, it's right here in the chapters. As time passes, as distance passes from the garden, from the covenant and the promise, that's why God had these covenants. Don't forget, I have a plan. I have a reminder. Anytime you forget, come back to this place. Well, people forgot. People forgot. And so one day someone woke up. I feel so empty. Well, I don't want to just lie around and do nothing. Let's make a name for ourselves. And so they come up with these advancements. And, and, and you know, this is obviously one extreme. There's, there's a lot of advancements, technology that are helpful, humanity and things, you know, that blesses and things. But ultimately, um, it's pretty clear here. You know, I love the scriptures. It's making a name for yourself. And so I guess any battle in life and purpose and the things we devote ourselves to begins with this simple question. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you pursuing? Why have you vested so much time and energy in the things that have such value in your life? That's a question you need to ask yourself. That's a question you need to take to God. It's one or two. It's for God, for His glory, for His kingdom. My ultimate home is with Him. I am fully known. I am filled. Everything I do for His glory, give or take. Or you don't ask that question. You just kind of stumble into it. And we're making a name for ourselves. Um, so the Lord comes and scatters them at this point in history. They all have the same language. Um, they can all communicate well with each other. They're able to accomplish just about anything. And they're scattered because they don't have the right heart. Because they don't have the right orientation. Uh, uh, you know, heavenward. Centered on God. Um, what happens later in the New Testament when Christ is crucified and resurrected. And then he says, wait for me in prayer. And then the Holy Spirit gets poured out. Do you guys remember? When the presence of God comes... At Pentecost, there's unity. People are able to uh, uh, overcome barriers in communication, overcome barriers in understanding one another, in valuing one another, right? So Pentecost comes and they're able to understand each other in different languages. So God brings, you know, there's a purpose for a season. There may be some scattering. There may be some scattering in our lives for a season and a period, but ultimately God is willing and desiring that we would become one. And so in the, but, but for the right purposes, for the purposes of building God's kingdom, for building God's name. Anything you put your heart and mind to for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God that God has given you, God will give you empowerment, God will give you unity, God will give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a mark and a sign that God is in the midst and working um, in the things that he purposed through us. Okay, so the next few verses that go on is just a whole bunch of names and families and children of children of children and how many years uh, they lived and so forth. 
lived 30 years, became the father of Ru, lived uh, 32 years, became the father of Sarah. It goes all the way, and it's what it's doing here, it's connecting you from Noah, from the covenant, from the promise, all the way down, generation after generation after generation. And it goes to a family, um, a guy by the name of Terah. Okay, Terah. And it says in verse 24 of chapter 11, when Nahor lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. And after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years. Goes on and go forth. And so you have an introduction for the first time of this family. And Terah, you get here in the scriptures in chapter 11, uh, verses 27, 26 and 27 onward, uh, you hear for the first time an introduction of a name, uh, a guy by the name of Abram. Abram, who would later be Abraham. So Terah lived 70 years and he became the father of Abram. And so God is showing us the link ultimately that would connect to the coming of Jesus. And so there's a reason why the genealogies are there. Um, what's fascinating here is, um, I want to paint a picture for you guys. You remember God, even though Adam and Eve sinned and were sent out, God made provision for them. Right, cared for them. Even even uh, Cain, when he when he murdered Abel, God gave certain certain provisions. And so there's a relationship. This is a key word. There's a relationship with a few people on earth with God, and through this relationship, God wants to bring His principles, His truths, ultimately the kingdom of God through Jesus. And so it's absolutely vital. It's absolutely vital that this family, that these individuals from Adam and Eve to Noah to Terah to Abraham, that they stay on the ranch. You guys understand what that means? That they stay within the fold. These guys cannot fall off the ranch. These guys cannot fall away. Do you guys understand? They must maintain. God must ensure that there's communion. God must ensure that no matter what the other people do, no matter what the other cities accomplish, no matter what other you know, beliefs and systems, you know, religious uh, beliefs. And so actually at the Tower of Babel, is, is a, 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 a many theologian scholars say it's the, you, know, you could say it's the founding of the first religion, the, the religion of self, the religion of making a name for self. And so the tower, actually a ziggurat, was actually a, a, a really holy kind of a sacred place and they would go and, and, and you know just really attribute a lot of uh, uh, pride and glory to it but really it was it was an extension that they made that ultimately brings back and feeds their own ego and identity does that make sense and so sort of the first religion the first religious uh, 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 monument so to say uh, and so forth and, and so civilization civilization would continue to build things like this a monument to themselves you know, a city or a nation, a monument that celebrates themselves. Um, and so civilization is growing, it's sprawling, it's, all these things are happening, people are trying things, new things, building technology, doing things, eventually, you know, what they, what they believe is right in their own eyes. And, and I'm sure they got real quick to the place where the same standard of judgment that came on the flood, but remember, God made a promise. God says, I'm not going to wipe out. And the next time judgment comes, on all humanity, I'm going to take it upon myself. I'm going to pay the penalty. The covenant later, you know, that I mentioned yesterday, that God made with Abraham, that he's the guarantor 
you know, he'll pay the penalty of a broken contract uh, that he made between himself and humanity through Abraham, right? Um, and so it's imperative all throughout the scriptures that those chosen by God continue and maintain an intimate personal relationship with God. So God has a plan. You know, in hindsight, we're looking back and we know how it ends. But these guys don't know how it ends. Okay? And God prompts in the spirit, whether they acknowledge or recognize it or not, through Terah, this family line, the son of Abram. Abram doesn't even know. He doesn't even have his own family yet. Right? Doesn't even know what's, what God has intended. And it says in verse 31, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. God had already planted a seed. God had already planted a compass. Canaan, you're going to go there. And I'm going to make you great. Right? The promised land. They don't know any of this yet. Right? But through God's sovereignty and providence, the family left their home together in the Chaldeans. And they moved on their way, a caravan, a family, to destiny, to God's purpose. Amen? Hallelujah? Good news for us. And then it says, continuing on in verse 20, But when they came to Haran, they settled there. They settled there. That's bad news. That's bad news. If the hope of humanity is a fire, a light of God, the message through the covenant promises, and ultimately, you know, a, 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 you know, outpouring of God's spirit through Christ Jesus and Pentecost and all that. I want you to know, in, in all through history, as you read the Old Testament, there are places and moments in the scriptures where that light is like a candle and it's flickering. It almost goes out. Almost. Like it's, you know, uh, uh, and this is one of those places. There are very few people who know about God. There are very few families who have a relationship. This line must be preserved in order for the Messiah to come. They're called to go to Canaan, the family, but the whole family stops and they settle. They get comfortable in Haran. Um, and so sometimes we settle. Sometimes we get comfortable with where things are at. And intentional or unintentional, we get muted to what God is wanting to do. Have you heard this phrase before? Um, and it's usually when we're going through a hard time, right? We've all gone through hard times. Some of you are going through hard times now. Um, you've heard this phrase before. God loves you too much to leave you where you're at. Does that make sense? We're broken, we're hurt. We're operating in certain value systems, but it's okay. You know, I'm comfortable, right? And then something comes like a, you know, side swipe, boom, knocks us off our center and we realize we're not okay. And the first thing is, man, why did this thing happen? We blame it on the thing, right? But the reality is the thing exposed, you know, the, the unbalance or the lack of equilibrium in our spirit. And, and then we go through a hard time. And then we say things like, oh, why God allowed? But, but you realize, you know, 
in those moments, God is wanting to do a deeper work in us, a greater reliance for us on him. You know, we've set our foundations on certain pillars of the world. And they may be okay now, but they're going to get you later. And so sometimes God comes in with a, or allows, sometimes God allows a wrecking ball to break down certain values or beliefs that you've built your life on. And the more you've built your life on it, the harder it is to overcome emotionally. Um, but I would say, you know, in those times and places to allow God and to, to draw near to God. So, so don't settle. God, God loves Abraham, loves you, loves me, loves humanity too much, too much to allow Abraham and his family to settle in Haran. And tomorrow uh, uh, we'll see, you know, in this situation, what's going to happen, right? Abraham, their family is on the brink of forgetting God. And if they forget God, all humanity is forgotten. What's going to happen? What's, who's going to save us? You know, does Abraham have an epiphany one day? Oh my gosh, we can't, we got to move from here. And uh, we'll, we'll get there tomorrow. Let's have a uh, worship come up. This is a subtle tactic of the enemy. You know, when the heat gets turned up, the enemy turns up his tactics also. You know, when Moses is born, the enemy knows, the deceiver knows that Israel is going to be released and it's that much closer to the line of Jesus. So what? So demonic oppression and through the Pharaoh, let's wipe out all sons. When Jesus is born, same thing, same generational spirit, same opposition from Satan, you know, uh, through King Herod this time instead of the Pharaoh. Wipes out, firstborn, you know, uh, 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 you know, wants to kill the sons of Israel. Um, and here it's so subtle. Same enemy, same ultimate goal, different tactic. Hey, it's really nice where you are. Don't touch anything. Don't tweak it. You got it just where you want. And so convenience and comfort sometimes can be the worst enemies of God and God's purpose in your life. Do not worship convenience and comfort. Do not make that the goal of your life. And so tomorrow we're going to see how God masterfully operates and moves in this. But this morning, let's just come and uh, why don't we all rise and uh, let's just dedicate ourselves and faith in God's purpose and God's plan. And this morning, let's just declare that God is our comfort, that God is our center, that our ultimate home is not a home to be built here by hands and mortar. Your longing for success, your longing for promise, your longing for a home, your longing for is a longing that God has set in your heart, but that longing is for Him. And until you find Him, and until you find your place in Him, that longing will never be filled. And if you don't know that, you'll spend the rest of your life filling it with other things. And so today, sons and daughters, come before the most holy God, submit ourselves and say, God, you are my home. You are my final destination. I submit my job. I submit my home. I submit my family. I submit my relationships down to you at the foot of the cross. I find fulfillment and purpose and, and, and fun.
Thank you, Lord. I commit myself to you today.